I want to welcome all of our campuses to our brand new series entitled Joshua Possess Your Tomorrows. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. So excited to have you guys, South Shore, Gulf Coast Online, those on Facebook Live as well. Well, I am very, very excited. Uh, every year, uh, when the, actually the weekend after Labor Day, uh, I start a new series on a book of the Bible. It's interesting. How many of y'all remember when we started school the Tuesday after Labor Day? Anybody remember that? Yeah, y'all remember that? Okay, yeah. See, you're, you're my age. Okay, you, you're, these kids now, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we had months and months. I think we had five months of summer. Isn't that right? Back, I don't know what y'all have now, but something about going back to school. There's something about that. I think it's important for churches. Again, I do all kind of topical teaching on the weekend, but I do do at least two, if not three times a year. I'll teach through a book of the Bible uh, thematically, I'll go through different scriptures in that. And so uh, last year, matter of fact, last year at this time, I did First Thessalonians, year before that, uh, Book of Revelation, seven weeks, Daniel before that. Uh, and again, you can get all that stuff and download it. I want to begin, I want to begin talking about Joshua. Joshua is the sixth book uh, in the Old Testament, right after the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. Very, very powerful book in the Old Testament. And it's a story of the children of Israel being led by Joshua into the promised land. In other words, they were wandering for 38 years in ruts, in rituals, in routines. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you in just a moment a map where they were going in circles, in a rut, in a routine. Matter of fact, some routines, I do want to say this, I want to go on record saying some routines are good. Waking up, brushing your teeth in the morning. How I many know that's a good thing, right? But there are some things that are not good. And by the way, you may not even know that you're in it, but you're stuck. You know what happens when you, when you get in one of those ruts, right? You, your, your tires, you know, they start, you get stuck. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much, how much force you put. Matter of fact, all you do is dig yourself deeper down until a record service comes and pull you out of it. Let me tell you what I want to be, and I say this respectfully over the next five weeks. I want to be like a Holy Spirit record service to come help pull you out of the ruts, the unhealthy routines, or something that's keeping you back from what God has for your life. Come on, how many of y'all receive that? You guys receive it? Joshua, again, it's going to be a five-week series. I know we have football uh, which is awesome. I love football. So if, you're, if you come to a Saturday night service, if you go to a game on Saturday night, you come on Sunday to church. If you go on a Sunday, you come, there's all different types, uh, different times, 9.30, 11.30. I'm just asking you guys to really be in every single service uh, the next five weeks. When we begin, we're going to start with chapter one in just a moment. But I'm going to talk to you guys about what happens. What happens is, is that right when we start moving forward in life, we often get intimidated and pushed back. There's a tendency on the inside of each one of us to recoil when we hit a storm, when we hit a trial, when we hit a tribulation. God's got this bright future for us. It's an amazing future, and you're moving towards it. Boom, you get hit. You have a choice. You kind of circle the wagons and start going in reverse and just kind of protect yourself, or do you keep confidently moving forward in faith? It's interesting, this time of the year, Again, we are all very observant and cognizant of the fact when there's storms, whether in the Atlantic, the Gulf of Mexico. Thank God last week was a, we were able to skirt around that. And, uh, but 
And there's a certain level of sobriety that I think that we all have to have when you live uh, close to the water. That's an appropriate thing. But it's a different level if you get tormented by it. It's a different level if you get paralyzed by it. I'll never forget 13 years ago, of course, when Katrina came through, many of you guys lived on the South Shore and you were displaced, et cetera, and it was just a horrific thing. Matter of fact, the church, the weekend before, 3,200 people we had in church, we didn't have church for a month, came back at 1,350 people. People were texting me, Pastor, you know, we've taken off, we're living in Houston. I'm like, well, good for you, I'm stuck. I couldn't go anywhere. I'm passing the church. My name's on every... I mean, what am I going to do? I, we, we got notes. We got mortgages. I mean, what are we going to do? And I got to tell you, every year during this time, I have to mentally and spiritually prepare myself to make sure that we stay forward motion, that we don't just recoil, that we don't just back up and start protecting ourselves, but we actually engage. Everybody say engage. That we engage in exercising our faith believing that God has a bright future for us as we see it in the Word. The truth is, is that this book is all about possessing what God has given us, to stand in faith. There's a big difference of standing in faith, pursuing and possessing versus recoiling in fear. Those are opposite things, faith and fear. My prayer for you over these next five weeks is that you will watch this, that whatever fear is in you will be displaced and faith will be injected in that spot. In other words, some of you that, that you know that God's been talking to you about going back to school, there's been fear attached to that because of all your current responsibilities. My prayer is to produce faith through God's word in you that you'll do whatever God called you to do. Some of you need to go back to school. Pastor, you just, I don't know, I got so much going on. I know I'm not in the job that I want to be in, but, but I just don't know how it's all going to work. Here's what God is saying to you. He wants you to move confidently in faith and possess your future. Some of you, maybe it's believing for a marriage. Man, your marriage is not where it needs to be, and you know that. And you know that there's going to be a lot of faith and energy and a lot of rolling up the sleeves, a lot attached to that. But here's what my prayer for you is. My prayer for you is if God's placed that in your heart to be able to fight for it, that you would have a spirit of faith in your heart to possess what God has given you. Some of you, yeah. Some of you, maybe you've been dating that person for a long time. Boy, y'all going to really like this. I had a person come out to me, the pastor, I'm not sure I want to get married because I don't want to have kids and bring them in this wicked world. How many of you know we never recoil and back off of the wickedness of culture? But we invade it in faith. <laughs> we don't start making decisions from a defensive posture. We have a posture of faith, a posture of expectancy, a posture that at any moment, God's going to show up, break out, and my situation's going to change. We have got to believe that. Some of you, maybe it's God's called you to start a business and you know that's in your heart. That's a dream that God has placed in your heart. It's a hope. It's a, there's a faith. But, but, yet, but when you start moving, your, your mind starts, oh, gosh, but what? And you start scenario planning. And maybe I'm not sure and what's going to happen. And I had a friend, and they tried it. Since when is your friend, and I say this respectfully, have anything to do with the will of God for your life? Since when does one person's failure have anything to do with God's plan for your life? Why the book of Joshua? Why five weeks? The significance of this person, Joshua. We won't be just talking about the character, Joshua, but we're going to be talking about, although he's a principal person, actually the main character is God. By the way, did you know the main character in every book of the Bible is God? It's God. This is ultimately about God. There's, we're, we're human instruments involved in God's economy, but ultimately it is about God. 
I love the book of Joshua because the book of Joshua, it's actually divided into three sections. The first 11 chapters, it's the conquest. Everybody say conquest. It's the conquest of the promised land. First uh, chapter 12 through 21 is the dividing up of the inheritance. And then 21 to 25 is all about basically, in essence, kind of the wrapping up. I have a map for you guys. You guys always like when I do the map deals. So I, I've got a map for you. P please say, thank you, Pastor. Now, let me tell you why. It was hard for us to find this map because all the other maps were low resolution. So we prayed, believe God, fast it. No, I'm just joking. Anyway, so we've got a map. I know these things help you uh, when you understand geography. Let me give you a little backdrop. How did the book of Joshua start? So here we go. We're in Egypt. This is Egypt over here, right? Ramesses. Remember all these names, all this? This is Egypt, all right? Children of Israel were in Egypt. Can y'all see me pointing? That's right. Children of Israel were in Egypt for how many years? 400 years, 400 years. Remember the slavery of the taskmaster and the whip and bam, bam, right? So finally, right, God calls, uh, the, he hears the cries of the Hebrew people. Lord, you know, send us a deliverer. One day Moses goes out there and he sees one of his countrymen. He knew he was a Jewish man raised in Pharaoh's house and he saw what was taking place and the injustice and the abuse attached to that. And what did he do? He turned around and he killed the guy. Next day he comes to work and one of the Egyptians said, hey, you're going to kill me just like you killed that guy? He was just full of fear. And then what Moses does is Moses goes and hangs out in the wilderness and the desert for 40 years. Again, the abuse continues of the Egyptians abusing the Hebrew people. And then Moses has this burning bush experience. I'm calling you, Moses, to go and speak to Pharaoh on my behalf. Let my people go. So he goes, walks into Pharaoh's house. God said, let his people go. I'm not going to let God's people go. First plague comes. Moses comes back. God really means business. Let his people go. I'm not going to do that, he tells Pharaoh. says, I'm not going to do that. Second plague, third plague, fourth plague, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Tenth plague happens. Finally, boom, the back of Pharaoh is broken, and all the children of Israel, I mean, they're high-fiving one another. This is awesome. This is amazing. And they're all delivered, and they go out. And again, I've taught this before, Exodus chapter 14. They come up to a sea, a body of water called the red what? See, Pharaoh's armies behind them, the Red Sea's in front of them. Moses raises his hands and the body of waters parts, and they now come into the wilderness. Do you know that from right here, where they cross, it's only supposed to be an 11-day journey, 11-day journey to come to the base of the, the promised land where they initially lived, by the way, that's where the Jewish people live. The promised land, God promised in Genesis 12, I'm giving you a land that's very, very important. The pro it's where modern-day Israel, and it's some of this baseline is included as well, some down here. So this is the promised land. It's only supposed to be an 11-day journey. How long were they in the wilderness for? Anybody just yell it out loud? 40 years. It's actually, just a little bit under. So 40 years, basically. What were they doing there? Wandering. Going around here, going around mountains, going around circles, just like some of us sometimes. Dealing with the same problem every year, the same addiction every year. I believe that in this series, why don't that addiction that maybe has dominated you for 10 years, why don't we believe God to break it over the next five weeks? Come on, why don't we believe for that? Why not, Pastor? Why don't we believe for, for, for a child to get saved, for a marriage to be restored, for, listen, for that dream that God put in your heart to be birthed? 
Why not? Why not? Why not? I want to hear why not versus why. I want to hear why not. And so here it is. They're wandering, wandering, wandering. So the smallest estimates that I've, I've read is th- the children of Israel is 300,000. The largest is 2 million. So let's just kind of, let's just say a million people, all right? So, so now Joshua, I mean, Moses is leading this group 40 years, a million people, children of Israel, and he comes up to their thirsty one day. And he comes up to this body of water, or excuse me, he comes up to this rock, and God says, speak to the rock. So he speaks to the rock. Boom! Water comes out of the rock. Y'all go drink. It's awesome. Another time they're, they're thirsty. The problem is, is Moses was mad. He was mad at the church that he was pastoring. Now, that's never happened to me. There, there are some pastors on our staff that have been mad at y'all before. I love you, dearly beloved, but I'm just telling you. Okay? So, 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 so the second time, Moses comes up to the rock, and instead of speaking to the rock, remember what he did? He did what? He struck the rock. God says, that's it, anger management class. He's, going to, he's got, seriously, he's going to this little anger management class, and I don't know where it was, but, and so God, and so, and so, and so God was pretty upset with that, and he says, he says, Moses, I got to tell you what's going to happen now. You ready for this? Because you couldn't control your anger, and you couldn't control your anger. You kept taking it out on my people. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to let you come all the way up to the promised land. I'm going to let you go up on Mount Nebo. I'm going to let you look at the promised land, but you're not going to bring the people in. I'm going to let Joshua do that. Are you serious? That's what's going to happen. You're going to hand the baton off. So, 40 years, they come all the way up here. There's Mount Nebo right there. This is Moab, modern-day Jordan, right? The, The country, the nation of Jordan, all right? That's where Moab, Moabites, remember all that stuff of the Old Testament? Okay, this is where Moab would be, all right? So they come right here. Here's where, actually, this is the Mount, that, 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 uh, that, that, that the mountain range that Moses went up. He saw the promised land. Wow, it's amazing. God goes, remember, give the baton to Joshua. You're not bringing him in. Yes, sir. Joshua, here's the baton. So Joshua chapter 1 picks up. There's a million people right here. They're on the east side of the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to go west into the what? Everybody say it, the promised land. When did God promise us? Genesis chapter 12. God promised it. We pick up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. Now that you guys have the geographical context, was that helpful for you to see that? I'll bring the map back and forth a couple times too. Joshua chapter 1, here's what the Bible says. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourself for within three days you will cross over this Jordan. Remember, there's that river. You're going to cross over the Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. In other words, God is encouraging Joshua and all the children of Israel that tomorrow, everybody say tomorrow, God is very interested in our present, but he's equally interested in our future. You're going to see that throughout the series. God is interested in your present. By the way, he wants us to have resolution from our past. He wants us to to enjoy our present moment, but he wants us to embrace the reality of our future. 
Because when you see your future, you make different decisions in the present. If you have no consequential understanding of your future and you're not looking without a vision, everybody say vision. Without a vision, the Bible says people perish. They cast off restraint. Why? That's why God has designed us with a visionary capacity to see the future. We see the future because we make decisions today based upon what we see tomorrow and next month and next year. Very, very powerful. You and I are not animals. We are made in the image of God, likeness and dominion of God. We have a visionary capacity, not just cognitively, but spiritually speaking, we can see on the horizon futuristic opportunities. That's so powerful. That's why it's so important that God told him, he says, tomorrow I'm going to bring you, and I want you to possess. In other words, to possess means to take possession or to inherit. Now, I want to teach a big theological concept to you in a very practical way, all right? This is important. Metairie, our, our South Shore Campus Golf Coast, I want everybody to hear this here at Little Creek. God calls us to possess, don't miss this, what he's actually already given to us. Just let that sink in for a moment. In other words, God is calling you and I to walk in a territory that God has actually already said, I've given it to you, but you've got to take it. So in other words, legally speaking, it's yours. But experientially speaking, it's not yours yet. This is so important that we understand this. Now, I know for those of you that are new in Christianity, this is a big thought, all right? Let me give you an example. Because the Old Testament picture of Joshua, the name Joshua means God, our salvation. Why is that so important? Joshua is the Old Testament picture of Christ. Joshua was leading the Old Testament saints into their inheritance, Jesus is leading us into our inheritance. What is legally yours is not necessarily yours by way of experience. Let me give you an example. Jesus, did Jesus die on the cross for the whole world? Yes or no? Yes. I don't believe that Jesus said, I like you, but I don't like you. I saved you, but I'm not saving you. I'm saved you. No, I believe that Jesus died for the whole world. It is not the will of God that any perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of God's truth. That's what the Bible says. All right? Is everybody in the world saved? Yes or no? Legally, could they be saved? Yes or no? What's the difference? They've not appropriated it by faith. So in other words, what is actually theirs, they're not walking in it because they've not received it. Does that make sense? It's the same way as Christians, as, as all of us. What Christ has died on the cross, he died to give us salvation and healing and power and, and deliverance and all of those things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're walking in it in the same way God gave them a land, but they still had to go take it. Let me give you a scripture. Obadiah, a small little book in the Old Testament. This is one of the most powerful verses. To give, I, I, when, this is what the whole book of Joshua is about. At the end of five weeks, what my goal is, is that you have confident faith to possess what God's already given you. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall... I want everybody to count to three, all of our campuses. We're going to read those last three verses, the last three words, because this is what the book of Joshua is about. And by the way, this is what New Testament Christianity is about. Stay with me. Count to three. One, 
two, three, and possess their possessions. What does that mean? How do I possess what's mine? Okay, now let me use an analogy. Do you know that there are people, and I'm not an advocate of the lottery, I'm not making a moral statement, not an ethical statement. I will say if you win the lottery, you need a tie. But anyway, so... Is that all right? I hope I can say that. But do you know there are people that have won the lottery, but it's unclaimed? They've got some numbers in their pocket, but they've unclaimed it. So is it theirs legally, yes or no? Yes. Is it theirs experientially, yes or no? No. Why? They got to lay hold of it and possess it. So it's theirs legally. They got the number. They bought the ticket. It's all theirs. But they still have. In the same way in Christianity, in the same way with, 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 with Joshua, God says, I've given you a land. Actually, it's an inheritance for you. It's an inheritance. Listen to me closely. This is going to explode in your heart when you see it. When you get this, we'll, the, this will shift your understanding of Christianity because Christianity is not just your sins are forgiven. That's the starting point, not the end. The end is you fulfill your destiny and your purpose in God on the earth. If it was just about salvation, then God would have killed you after you got saved. Quickly, get him up before we lose him. (laughs) Come on, Star Trek generation. You know what I'm talking about. It's funny. I use jokes, and it's funny. The 30-year-old, they don't know. They don't get any of it. Salvation is the beginning. Fulfilling our destiny is the end so that we, like the Apostle Paul, can stand before God one day and and God can say, you finished your race. You've completed your assignment. Well done, the words of Jesus. Good in what? Everybody say it. Faithful. Faithful what? Faithful to fulfill what I've called you to be. Faithful what I've called you to do. So the point, salvation is the beginning. Fulfilling our purpose is the end. And then we stand before God. That's why this book is so important. So there's an inheritance for us. Just like the, can you go back and pull up my map? There's an inheritance for the children of God. Genesis 12, God says, I'm giving you a land. They ended up going down to Egypt 400 years after that because 400 years before this because there there was a famine in their land. And the whole point of the Old Testament is moving back, claiming this land. It's an inheritance for them. Can I tell you something? This is important. The Bible is divided in two Listen, what's another word for inheritance? How do you know if you have an inheritance? You have to read the what? Everybody say it. Will. Not a trick question. You have to read the will. Does anybody know that the Bible is divided into two books or two main sections? The old what? Say it. And the new what? Does anybody know what another word for testament is? Will. Google it. Not during church. What am I saying? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he left you some stuff. You better figure out what it is. Salvation, healing, hope, deliverance, provision, it's yours. Have you possessed it? Come on, are y'all with me or not? Have you possessed it? Have you possessed your possessions? God's got an inheritance for us. God's got a plan. God's got a... It's one thing to move into a place. It's another thing to take possession. It's one thing to have slavery broken off of your life. It's a whole other thing to become a landowner. This whole thing, keep it up. This is a picture of salvation right here. They're in Egypt. That's a picture of the world. Sin was holding us down. We were a slave to sin. God delivered us from sin. 
We went through the baptismal waters, the Red Sea. We were cleansed by the blood of Christ. We publicly testified to the world. We belong to God. And then we were supposed to walk into our destiny, but we get caught up in old habits, old patterns, old ways that, 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 that get us sidetracked. And then our Jesus, our Joshua comes and says, time out. You've been wasting time. You've got a destiny. You've got an inheritance. You've got a purpose. I want to bring you into the fullness what I have for your life. Come on. That's what the Bible's about. And by the way, you have a destiny personally. You have a corporate destiny for your family. This church has a destiny. God's got a call upon your life. And God wants you to possess your possessions. Well, you can inherit what God's given you. I'm preaching better than y'all are clapping, but anyway, that's all right. I feel a little Wimbledon spirit in the house, you know. Lord have mercy. But anyway, I, I can't even go there. I can't even go there. Woo! Man, look, I got so excited last night. I was amening myself. Preach, pastor. I was. <laughs> all right, I got 10 minutes. Here we go. Let me give you three things. This we're going to be talking about five weeks. I'm telling you, you're going to be so filled with faith. Faith comes by what? Say it. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God, not by the opinions of man. How does doubt come? Doubt comes by hearing the opinions of man. How does faith come? By hearing God's opinion. It's not my opinion. All I am is a delivery boy. I didn't make the pizza. And it's not for me to eat. It's for you to eat. I may take a slice on the way. You know what I'm <laughs> Let me give you three guiding principles in the book of Joshua. Number one, here we go. First thing that this book is about, God wants you to live in a land of blessing and realized promises. Not just in the sweet by and by. Oh, one day when I get, no, 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 in the here and now. God has got a plan. God's got an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. You had a relative who died. His name is Jesus. He left a will. You better figure out what's in the will. You better figure out what's in this book. Because you're leaving some stuff on the table. Are y'all with me? I don't want to leave anything. I don't want to leave any. I want to make sure that I get everything God's called me to be, that I do everything God's called me to do, and I have everything God's called me to possess. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Look what it says. I'm just bringing you through this. Now, therefore, arise. Everybody say arise. arise. It's one thing to see the promised land. It's another thing to arise and to walk into it. We don't want to be spectators. I want to get out of the grandstands and get on the field. Are y'all with me? Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the children of Israel. Look at the next verse, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. It's yours, but you got to go in and possess it. I love the fact that this Bible is filled with promises. I don't know how many promises, but thousands. Just because God promises you something doesn't mean it's automatically yours unless you appropriate it, unless you receive it, unless you claim it, unless you walk in it. There's Bibles laying all over people's houses that are unsaved. There's Bibles living around people that, that, that are full of confusion, where if we went to the Word of God and we started to appropriate, God says he orders my steps, the, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. I go from strength to strength. We've got to appropriate the promise of God. That's what I'm going to teach you through this series. That God's got an inheritance, God's got a destiny, God's got a plan and a purpose. There's a picture, but we've got to walk into it. We've got to, everybody say, arise. arise. We've got to arise, and we've got to go into it. I love that scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
or chapter 1, here's what it says. For all the promises of God, every single one of these promises of God, in God are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. Why does God want you to, why does God want to see your life fulfill promises? It brings him glory. It's not about us getting glory. It's about God getting glory. That's my kid. Y'all see my kid? It's pretty awesome. My kids played sports. It's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty cool when, when you're sitting there in the stands and the other dads high five you because your kid, I mean, you could be, no offense, out of shape. You know, I'm just, just kind of sitting there and they high five you like you scored the touchdown. Well, you know, God's not out of shape. Let me qualify my illustration. But you and I are a trophy of God's grace. And when you score a touchdown, when you do something for God, God gets the glory. All the promises of God. Everybody say all. all. I tell you what's so exciting. I, last spring, man, I got, I love getting with different people in our church. And I was having lunch and I was with this young couple in our church. And I said, Pastor, we got to tell you what happened. We're so excited. When we got married, we wrote this dream down. We were going we to start a business, a construction business. And we were going to be together. And I was going to do interior decorating. I was going to build. We are going to do this thing. It's awesome. And Pastor, it's happening. This is amazing. They were so excited. They showed me. We got scriptures. And look at this. And this is, this is when this happened. And we, God spoke to us. God gave us things. They said, God will put a plan and a purpose and a dream in your heart. And they said, Pastor, we're starting to see it. And people are coming, and, and this is crazy. I mean, like, we're not preachers, but, like, we're ministering to the people. They're buying houses. I said, oh, you're making money. Oh, we're doing that too. But, you know, we're, we're just, like, praying with people, inviting them to church. It's just amazing. And, and we're a team, and we're working together. And, and we're, listen, and we're starting to walk in that dream. Do you know it's one thing to see? It's another thing to seize it. It's, it's one thing to see that. God first puts the dream in our heart, the vision in our heart. God first shows it to you, but then he says, arise. Everybody say, arise. This, this series is about arising, laying hold of, taking a hold of the promise of God, taking a hold of your future. Listen, we don't earn it, but we possess it. Everything we have is the grace of God, but we've got to receive it. So We didn't die for ourselves on the cross, Jesus did, but we've got to receive it. We've got to claim the ticket. We've got to say, it's mine in God. Everybody say, it's mine. Don't, don't, don't be shy about that. That's mine. I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you that when you see a promise in the Bible, you say, man, I'm standing on that promise. It's mine. All right, so number one, God wants you to live in a land of blessing and realize it. Let me tell you, number two, here we go. We've got just a couple of minutes. Number two, God partners with us in the battles for our promised land. Now, let, let me qualify something. Stay with me. I've got five or six minutes. I want everybody to listen to what I'm about to say. I had a conversation with somebody one time and said, Pastor, I, I just can't wait. Until I go to heaven, because man, in heaven, man, that's, I can't wait to go. And in, in the same conversation, this individual used the word promised land and heaven together. Do you know that there are hymns, and I like hymns, and we sing some hymns, and they're, you know, it's fantastic. But there are some hymns that I've sung before that are the most unscriptural hymns in the world. Because they talk about our promised land in the sweet by and by. Listen to me closely. Heaven is not the promised land. How do I know heaven's not the promised land? Because when I read my Bible, in the promised land, there were giants. How many know cancer's not in heaven? Sickness and disease are not in heaven. 
Lust and pride is not in heaven. Strongholds, addictions. There are no addictions in heaven. Are y'all with me? There's no giants in heaven. None of that. But there are giants in the here and now. And oftentimes, smack dab in the middle of our promised land. Number two, God partners with us in the battles for our promised land. Look what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Here's the encouragement, though. And again, we're not earning it, but we are possessing it. We are possessing God's plan, God's promise, God's future in faith. This is about moving confidently in faith into the bright future that God has for us. Bright future. Look, look what it says right here. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So, 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 so what's the point? He was saying, listen, when you go into this promised land, listen to me closely at all of our campuses, there's going to be some battles. Whoever said that a battle, I've had people say this, man, you're just in a battle. You must be out of the will of God. No, I want to flip that. If you're in a battle, it means you're getting really close to fulfilling what God has for your life. Don't, 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 don't think that a challenge, I'm not talking about needlessly creating things in your own life. I'm talking about there's a heart, there is a devil, a real devil. The Bible says in, it's in red. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the devil comes to steal. I'm going to say steal, say kill, and say destroy. So then what is our fight? Our fight is a fight of faith. And God partners with us as we partner with God to pursue what God has. Now, I'm going to do something. Don't judge me. Don't write me an email. Don't tell me it's sacrilegious. I'm making a point, all right? This is my Bible. I lay it right here, all right? Paul said it this way, our fight, because I'm going to help you guys. Some of you guys, here's what happens. You get saved. You start moving towards the things of God. I had a guy tell me, Pastor, I'll tell you, man, before I was a Christian, man, it seemed like my life was so much better than it is, but now all hell brought loose. First of all, pause, that's not true. I knew your life, it was hell. <laughs> so you have amnesia, you're lying, you need forgiveness, blood of Jesus, the whole thing. So right off the bat. But even if you do think that's correct, I want to give you a little insight of why there's some truth to that. Because now you've switched jersey and you're on the opposite team. Are you with me? You played for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. It was in my spirit. I said it. I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. It just came out of my heart. That was deep. But, but listen to me. You are going against the current now. Are you, you're walking against traffic. So what's the point? The point is, here's my Bible, all right? Here's the point. The fight, Paul said it this way. Here's what Paul says. Your fight first is not against the devil. What's the fight? The devil is not fighting you. The devil's trying, God, the devil's fighting God. And he's trying to get you off of what God said. First Timothy, look what it says right here. Pull that up. For the good fight. Fight. Everybody say fight. fight. Oh, pastor, I thought Christianity was about love. It is, but there's a fight in love. There's a fight. I didn't say it's the Bible said it. What am I fighting? My fight is the fight of faith. Take hold on eternal life. Possess it. I don't earn eternal life, but I've got to receive eternal life. Now, here's the point. So when that trial comes, I'm on the Bible right here, okay? Don't email me. I'm on the Bible. So here's the point. The trial, the purpose of the trial, the, the life hits me, the enemy hits me. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to get me to get knocked off of me trusting that. 
He's trying, in other words, he's trying to get me off. My fight is, I believe God said it. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to believe God's word. I've got a future. I've got a hope. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, not of plans of evil, but plans to give you a hope and a future. I believe that. Boom, I get hit. Oh, boy, here comes the devil. Where's God now? Where's God? Ah, oh, where's God now? So he's, the whole fight is to get us off of standing on the word. God said it. I believe it. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've got hope. God is my Savior. I'm standing in faith. That's what we got to believe. We got to believe that right there. I'm not getting backed off of God's word for my life. How about you? I believe God's got a plan for my life. God's got a plan for our church. God's got an inheritance for you. God's got an inheritance. This is the last will and testament of Jesus. A relative has died. Check out the will. Man, that's good preaching. You know, it's funny. We, uh, it's interesting. We, we bought 13 years ago that St. Charles campus. Some of y'all saw that in the news. Thank God this November we're starting. We didn't even plan this. We're now doing two building projects on the South Shore at the same time. So we didn't plan it that way. Obviously, 13 years ago we bought the other one. But God wants twins to be born on the South Shore. God wants twins. <laughs> we're renovating that building starting in November. And then January, we'll start renovating that, that movie theater in Kenner. And we're going to go from 250 seats. It's packed out on the South Shore. We're going to go from 250 seats to 2,300 seats, 1,200 on St. Charles Avenue, 1,100 in Kenner. Why? Because I believe that the South Shore is part of the inheritance for Church of the King. I believe this region, I believe that's what God has given us. Everybody say possess. You got to possess in faith. This whole point is God has put dreams and hopes and promises in your heart. And you and I need to move confidently forth in faith. Doesn't mean we don't get hit. Doesn't mean we don't go through challenges. Of course we go through challenges. Of course we go through trials. But stand. Stand. Stand in faith. Let me give you the third and final thing and we'll close. I'm just getting started in this series. Number three, God assures us of his presence in the journey. We're not alone. We're not alone. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Why was he nervous? How would you like to follow somebody that was the pastor of a million people and now you're the succession pastor? You know, at some point in time, y'all going to push me across the street to Waffle House. Pastor, you don't have any money. I know the guests, and I say this respectfully, you think I'm 30. I'm not. I, I, I know I look it. I'm serious. I don't mean to say that pridefully. I know I look young. It's genetic. But I'm, I'm much older than that. So at some point in time, I can say, Pastor, really, you just kind of, you don't have it anymore, really. You need to go eat a hash browns. You need to go to Piccadilly. You eat cheap over there at your age, Pastor. I know y'all I know where this is going to come, but can you? So, and this church is not, not even that big compared. I mean, oh my gosh, that's just a huge. How many you know he was nervous? He's got to lead the people of God into the promised land. Be strong. If you have good courage, pull that scripture up. But here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. You're not going alone. I don't care what challenge you're going through. I don't care what trial you're going through. If you and God are together in this deal, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I'm telling you, you're going to make it. You're going to make it through that. You're going to make it through it. 
Listen, do not be dismayed. Why? Because you're strong and you're good looking? No. Because you've got great education, you got PhD. No, 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 no. Because I'm with you. Those are the most reassuring words. Jesus said those to his disciples. Matthew 28, he says, For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And let me tell you, God's presence is with you. God's promises. When you have God's promises within you and you have God's presence with you, God's purpose is assured. You have a purpose in God. You have an inheritance. There is a promised land God wants to move you into. And this series is about teaching how to stand in faith and walk in the presence of God. I want you to stand. Let me pray for you guys.